What's going on, guys? AJ here bringing you yet another episode of the E1B2 Collective Podcast. I'm going to make a really simple, bold message and episode today. So I'm looking at uh, David Rock's work, his research with neuroleadership. And let me just be on the record to say I've been following and engaging and supporting David Rock since... I'm trying to think. 2000... 2012... And we're probably, yeah, we're going on 20, 2022, so, so 10 years. And this is what he said. Here are the reasons why the great resignation is happening. And this is based off their research. And, and if, for those that don't know, um, Neuroleadership Institute, David Rock, I mean, they have access to mountains of data, right? They work with the biggest companies in the world, and they do that at scale. So let me give you some data. 40% burnout. 34% company going through organizational changes, 20% lack of flexibility, 20% um, instances of discrimination, 20% uh, contributes towards um, ideas not being valued and heard. So here's the bold statement. When I think about E1B2, I've said this many times and I'm going to say it again. Employees first does not mean coddling. Employees first does not mean give every employee what they want. Employees first does not mean give every single employee what they want from the lens, from the lens of um, they are God, they are law, everything they say is right. Employees first does not mean um, bending over backwards to inevitably put the brand at risk in order to appease the, the, uh, the employees within the organization. Employees first means... Collecting data, points of views, insight that significantly impact the strategies, tools, frameworks, staffing structures, implementations that you use to fix some of these areas. So let me let me walk through this because I'm, I'm very serious about this. When I see 40 percent burnout, you know, my mind immediately goes, my mind immediately goes to the psychology element of it. I think about how stressful it was within the four walls of a, of, a, of, a, of a human's home to go through what we went through during, during the beginning of the pandemic. I think about death in families. I think about families losing jobs. I think about people being afraid and insecure. I think about lots of things. So that's just the human side of what I think about when I when I hear the word burnout. And then I think about how organizations that are in certain industries that were ramping up during the pandemic because certain certain industries actually benefited. And so when I think about those industries, I think about how excited the executives were at the top for the cash grab. That's a real thing, the cash grab. There was tons of cash available now due to that, in, uh, that, that organization being in the right industry at the right time during a global pandemic. And so when the, when the executives at the top noticed the amount of money that was able to be made, they, they pushed heavily on the employees to make an impact, to make a difference, to support a new strategy, to scale up efforts. And so now folks were asked to work hours they weren't asked to work before. Now folks were subconsciously and consciously, indirectly, indirectly pressured to 
step outside the box of their comfort zone with their overall workflow or their typical role structure or their typical deliverables. The organization put the employees to a lot from that angle as well. So that's also what I think about when I think about burnout. And then the final thing when I think about burnout, I think about the disconnect. The disconnect of what was really happening inside those organizations as folks were dealing with at-home circumstances but also needed to consistently make that check come in the house. Because what I mean by that is folks were not able to experience the pain that they were feeling at home, the burnout they were feeling at home, and then go to their employers and say, hey, I need more time. I need to process whatever the case is going to be because certain organizations were ramping up. And so now the folks that wanted to maybe start to decrease their overall output and be with family a little bit more were being asked to ramp up. And there was a, there was a disconnect. And so an employee's first mindset and strategy could have been really, really beneficial during that particular moment and connected to the burnout. An employee's first mindset could have significantly been done through internal communications as it pertains to how they were going to inevitably start to make more money because of the opportunities that were there. And they could have went directly to the employees and said, here's the opportunities we have. What are your points of views on this? How do you all suggest that we tackle this? And how do you all suggest that we try to navigate this? And if the, the responses and the feedback from the employees was one that inevitably put the brand in a position to not make as much or not move as fast, the right organization, the smart organization, would have been long-term thinking and would have given in to that perspective and said, you know what? Increasing the cash that we have, increasing the brand by 200, 300% is not as important. So we're, we're, we're okay settling increasing by 50 or 60%. So internal comms, the head of people, the departments, the, the executives and the department heads of each, of each department in the organization, they all could have worked together to gain insight from the employees around how they wanted it to execute the work, the timing of the work, the pure output of the work, understanding what was going on at home and providing as early as possible any, any sort of mental support that they could have provided, any sort of financial support that they could have provided, even if it dipped into, into the, some of the potential upside. So, those are a few E1B2 concepts that could have supported the burnout. Let's look at company, um, company going through organizational changes. Again, there was a lot of changes that were happening during the beginning of the pandemic, in the middle of the pandemic. And we all know there, there were many organizations that were not going to their employees first to understand how they would like to experience the change what information they wanted to learn and to know and to be updated with during the change. How quickly or how slowly they wanted the change to be rolled out. How they wanted to experience the change with their direct reports and their supervisors and their managers. Many organizations never went to their employees and asked, hey, here's the change that we're thinking about doing. How will this change impact you? Do you have any data points because you've been on the ground level around how we can do this change more productively, more efficiently, more successfully contextual to your world and how you see this work playing out 
and how this may impact your role. Organizations were not being flexible with roles and with the output that an employee could give. Organization didn't have the capabilities to understand any ancillary skill sets and capabilities of so many within the org. Thus, they were letting folks go or they were putting folks in a position of a, of a, of, of a, of a role and a skill set that was not a strength of that human and that that human was feeling a disconnect. Again, there were many things that they could have done to avoid negative feelings during the many organizational changes. Lack of flexibility is another reason. I think we all can put our common sense caps on and we can think about what a lot of organizations could have been doing when we think about a lack of flexibility. Instances of discrimination. Let me talk about that for a moment. It's just now that organizations are waking up and realizing that the DE&I leaders within the organization or the outsource support that you bring in, those folks don't just need to be quote unquote black or different gender, but those folks need to be competent, understanding true best practices, frameworks, strategies, points of views. And those folks need to be given the full decision-making baton when it comes to teaching leaders implementing programs, and everyone in the organization, including the CEO, needs to step the fuck back. Organizations were not doing that. And so when discrimination was happening and folks were feeling discriminated against during whether it's promoting, hiring, communication within the workplace, Slack channels, team dynamics, ideas, points of views, how, what the organization stood for. We weren't soon enough and early enough having DEI leaders, either outsourced or internal, given the full bandwidth and the capabilities to do what they really should be doing to avoid some of the instances of discrimination. Last thing, contributions and ideas not being valued. Well, this is one that I've been raving about before the pandemic even hit. Since you were going through many organizational changes, since you were going through lots of burnout, since there was a lack of flexibility, since there were opportunities to scale the organization at, a, at an incredibly high rate, I think it's a really good idea to your lowest level employee, to your highest, to create ideation portals, ideation fireside chats, Slack channels, Google Forms, Excel sheets, one-on-one conversations to generate ideations and ideas and strategies and perspectives that are flexible, that are nuanced, that are outside the box and give them breathing room, give them light and to give everyone a genuine voice. When I see and when I hear that ideas were not being valued, I don't hear they weren't being heard necessarily. Because what I just said were strategies and, and frameworks and concepts to even allow them to be heard. What I was hearing, actually, is that when I hear and when I read not being valued, what really comes to mind is they weren't being tested. They weren't being respected. They weren't being actually thought through. Like anytime an idea comes into the, any of the teams that I run. We do A-B testing, 
we hold space to actually unpack and hear why the idea is potentially a good one. We go through many channels to understand inevitably how the idea can make a big impact and have success. When I see contributions and ideas not being valued, I think about leaders and managers within small teams of 8, 12, 15 coming up with ideas and then just deploying those ideas down below and doing a top-down approach. I'm not hearing and I'm not seeing managers and leaders being trained on how to facilitate and generate ideas from their teams, extract data points from those that are actually on the ground forward and utilize those data points first to then generate and drive the ideas that they bring to the top. So a lot of the E1B2 methodologies and frameworks and insights that I all or that you all know that I believe in. A lot of those things could have saved some of these data points here and could have saved many organizations. But they didn't. And they haven't. And here we are. So. Let's think about this moving forward. Let's think about this as we go into 2022. 23, 24, 25. Let's think about this as we move into the future. It's time to wake up.